0: here and and let's just move on to the second part of this dealing with sadness part two and I want to now ask uh, a further set of questions again four of them what is it that we should do we looked at what God does and is doing but what what should we do when we are in, in that sadness in that terrible grief in that mourning in that Tragedy in that stress, in that depression. What does God require of us? What, what should we do? And more particularly, what did Bible characters do? What did Bible characters do? Here's the first one. We should take time out. If you turned in your Bible to Genesis 37, I want us to look at a little piece of the story of Jacob And how Jacob believed that Joseph, his favorite son, was dead. What did he do? It says in verse 34, now of course, he he was not dead, but he believed he was. And the brothers come back. You either read the book or you've seen the show. They come back and they tell him that he's dead and they bring his... His robe that they've made to look like he's been attacked. And Jacob thinks that he's dead. In verse 34, then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son So his father wept for him. I guess a tiny little piece of this passage I just want to highlight to you. And it's where it says that he did this, the end of verse 34, for many days. When you are struck by a terrible sadness, do you know something? You can't be yourself. You can't be yourself. And maybe I can just release you from this thought in as much as you're not supposed to be yourself. You're supposed to be a version of you that's, that's going through a bad time. Now, as we'll see in a minute, this is not an excuse for you to become nasty, unpleasant, a nightmare to be around. We don't mean that. But when you're going through sadness, you're going through sadness. Jacob, upon hearing that his son was dead, did not jump up and shout, Let's sing, O oh, happy day. He didn't order a feast. And when people tried to comfort him, he, he would not be comforted. Now, we can say, of course, that maybe his approach wasn't absolutely right because he says, I'll never be comforted from this. And maybe he should have said, in time I will. But nevertheless, for many days, Jacob took time out. Now, I don't, don't, I don't have a clue what Old Testament characters did with their days when they got older. Especially the ones that got to age 810. I mean, surely you've, you've heard every joke by then, haven't you? And Jacob wasn't quite in that category, of course. He's long after the flood when... Ages got a lot shorter. Nevertheless, he's an old guy. He refused to be comforted. He took time out. Listen. If you go through a bad time, take time out. The other scripture here, Matthew 14, is the story of how Jesus heard that John the Baptist had died. Now John and Jesus were relatives but he was also his friend. He learned that his relative had died. Jesus Christ took time out. It says he got he got in a boat privately. He didn't even take the disciples with him. There were times when he took the disciples away with him to rest. He said, come away with me and rest. And he wanted to rest, but he took them with him. But on this occasion, you can read it yourself, he went privately. He got away from everybody on that occasion. Nobody came with him. And there wasn't a little thing in his head that said, but really, you should be doing this. No, he knew what he had to do. He knew he had to take time out. Now, as it happened... As the, if you read the story, you'll find that the crowds follow him and he has compassion on them and he feeds them and ministers to them. But that was certainly not his plan, friend. His plan was, I am going to be on my own. I'm not going to be myself. I'm not going to pretend like everything is normal. I'm not going to do that. He accepted There was grief in his system. He wasn't ashamed of it. He didn't try to, you know, gloss over it. He began to deal with it. And one of the ways to deal with it was to take time away. Now, I understand that when we go through heartache and difficulties, you might want to take time out, but maybe your boss thinks differently about that. Or maybe the demands, that you, you know, you might be sad, but do you know what? The children are still going to wake up tomorrow, aren't they? You're still going to have to do something. So there are, of course, there are limitations to how we can take time out. But where it is possible for you to do, if you go through difficulties, then you have permission from God not to exactly be your normal, happy, jolly self, and to get away. As we'll see, that doesn't mean you become awful to be with. We still must behave righteously, but that's the first thing they did. They got away. Now I want to say, as we'll come on to now, they didn't get away from God, but they did get away from the routine of their lives. See, the second one is, what to do when we're sad is... We must continue to worship the Lord. Let's go over to Job, where the supreme example of this is seen. Because you do have people who go through huge difficulties, and what happens is then you don't see them in church for six weeks. Now, God doesn't give a license for us to go away from Him but he does give us a license to just not to be ourselves Job chapter 1 shows the reaction of a man of God to calamity that came probably beyond that which many of us in this room have ever faced certainly he hears that his everything he sort of has is gone and uh, his his livestock is gone fire falls from heaven and burns up the animals his servants are killed and then we discover in the latter part of chapter 1 his children killed and when Job hears verse 20 Job 1 20 when Job hears his children at that point he he, he gets up as though he hadn't got up before then he got up tore his robe again similar to what Jacob did it's a Jewish thing to do He shaved his head. He fell to the ground in worship. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked I shall depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrong doing. Let's look at the other verse. Let's go over to 2 Samuel, chapter 12. And here's an example of King David now, facing something very sad. Here's the death of his son. And uh, 2 Samuel 12, you all there with me? If you're there, say "Aye." aye. Okay, and looking at verse 20... Then David got up from the ground, after he washed, put on lotions and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Can you see the, the, the connection between these two men? The same thing they did. They didn't behave normally. In both instances, they grieved. We read that David got up, we are to suppose that he fell down. With, with agony when this disaster came to him. But in both instances, arising up. It says explicitly concerning David, Job didn't have a temple to go to because that wasn't his era. But it says, David, upon hearing this, he went to the house of the Lord. That means he went to the temple in Jerusalem and he worshipped God. By worshipping God, you're doing something very, very significant, especially during a tragedy. You are saying this, Lord, I don't understand this, but I do trust you. And I want, again, I want to gain, I want to free us from any sense that we have to know everything we don't. And I want to free us from the thought that we're going to know everything we don't. Paul says that at the coming of Jesus, when he sees him, he shall see him face to face. And at that point, he shall know all things. That suggests to me that down here on earth, we don't know very much at all. Then we shall know fully, even as we are fully known. But now, now, says the apostle in 1 Corinthians 13, we know in part. We have so many questions. Don't you think that Job had some questions? A righteous man, more righteous than, than anyone else on the earth, even noticed by the devil? My goodness me. In fact, even noticed by God, wasn't it? Have you considered my servant? Noticed by God for his righteousness. I don't know what God notices about you. He might notice your fancy trousers and your new hair. But I bet he doesn't notice your righteousness. He certainly doesn't notice mine. Here was a good man. He was one of the good guys. And you see, all that righteous living paid dividends because when disaster struck, he knew what to do. He knew to go to God, not from God. And when calamity comes into your life, when something terrible happens in your life, or when you go through the sad valley, if you have stored up righteousness, if you have invested in your spiritual life, when the disaster comes, your default setting will be to go to God. You might go to him with confusion. You might go to him even with anger. But you will go to him. But if you do not sow into your spiritual life, then when calamity comes, you will go from him. And you'll say, well, God has mistreated me. That's the last time I give five pound into an offering. God has mistreated me. I'm off. It's all about what we invest in the good days. Joseph knew that when there was a great harvest, he should store away in barns the good stuff because a famine would come. And I believe the Christian life is like that all the time. Feast, famine. Feast, famine. Times of renewal, the presence of God. I feel the Lord. I love the Lord. Then times of dryness. But we live out of the sack's we've stored up in the good times do you understand? and maybe that's not how God wants it maybe we're supposed to have the the feast all the time but maybe human nature does not always permit us maybe we're just not hungry for God I don't know but when David when Job understood that calamity had come they worshipped I want to tell you worship the Lord Job says a little later on a, a piercing line He says, even though he slay me, speaking of God now, even though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. One translation says, yet will I hope in him. Do you know, if someone got up here today and testified and said, God has been slaying me, do you know what we'd do? We'd all feel bit Uncomfortable. And afterwards, or maybe even at the time, if it, went, if it was too much, I'd have to say, now look, I just want you to know, God is not slaying you. It's not God. But we know what Job means. It's, the theology may not be exactly how we would phrase it. Because God is not mean and nasty. And, and we understand from the, from the scripture what was really going on in the life of Job. Of course, it wasn't God as such. His permission was involved, but not his activity he said even though he slay me yet will I trust in him if you sat in difficult times go to the house of the Lord Job didn't have a house of the Lord so he made one right there in his home I wonder if you've got a bit of church at home or not Because you're going to need that from time to time, aren't you? The first thing we are to do when we go through this thing, we have permission just not to exactly be ourselves because we're not ourselves. The second thing is we're to worship God. Taking time out doesn't mean taking time out from God. Number three, we have to behave ourselves. This is an interesting one. Why don't we go to 1 Peter chapter 2. We just developed something I began last time. I think we all know what I mean when I say that when we go through a hard time, sometimes we're not as nice as we normally are. I wonder if you can agree with me that when we are ill we're not as jolly as we normally are when you have pain in your body all the time you are not as jolly as the person sitting next to you I don't want to make a too sweeping statement but it is true is it not that as people get older they begin to often accumulate more health problems. And there's a tendency to think that older people are just not quite as jolly as younger people, but some of the older people, are actually it's actually something for them to even walk. And so it's going to show in their face from time to time. It's, life is more of a challenge. When you are ill and someone rings you, do you know what it is? To pick the, you're ill and you pick the phone out and you just click into, I've just got to try and be as happy as I can be. Hello. <laughs> but really, I'm so ill. Call the doctor. Goodbye. <laughs> I was saying that because I was real like that yesterday. Now, when we go through a bad time, you see, we're more prone actually to be sinners. That's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Let's just say let's just say how it is. We're more likely to yield to the flesh than to the Holy Spirit, aren't we? Because it's more of a challenge. And some of the disciplines of Christianity and they are disciplines of seeking God, studying the Word, these are disciplines. That's why we're called disciples. You can tell that easily there's a difference between a believer and a disciple. A believer is someone who is employing Christian disciplines. Therefore, they become a disciple. It's ever so easy to understand. If you're a believer, it means you believe something. You show up and believe it. You can sing along with it too. But if you're a disciple, it means you add discipline to your, to your faith. Well, that's another message. But, but because Christianity is about, is, is, is about disciplines, it's harder to do those disciplines when life is tough. For example... People who go through depression find it very hard to pray, don't they? Or to do any, anything that involves you know, mental effort. It's very, it's very, very difficult. That's why in James chapter 5, when the man is sick in bed, he's to call for the elders of the church to come and pray for him. Why? Because he can't really pray for himself. The elders haven't got any more power than him it's because he doesn't have the strength really to pray for himself it says if you're in trouble you should pray James chapter 5 but if you're sick call for someone else to pray for you and there's just a very simple truth there that when you are sick it's more difficult to employ Christian disciplines it doesn't mean it's impossible but it's more difficult however there's another dimension to this that must be that's worth mentioning and it's this That very often the cause of our sadness is not illness, is not tragedy, it's other people. For those listening on the internet, there was a commotion in the room. It's other people. Sticks and stones will break my bones. But words, they'll break my heart. So, oftentimes when we are sad, it's because we have been betrayed. Or it is because people have spoken ill of us. Or it is because people have been unpleasant to us. Right? Am I telling the truth? So here comes another dimension. What are we going to do about them? Jesus told us what to do about them. He said, love them! Now you know why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, any charismatic with a strange hat on could come out and go yabba dabba do, and fall over. But you need the Holy Spirit to love your enemy. And I always think that when I read that. Love my enemy. Oh, wow. Do you know what? That's a promise from God that if I live the Christian life correctly, I'm going to have enemies. And I do have enemies. I gotta love my enemy. I gotta do good to those who spitefully use me. That's what the scripture says. Bless those who curse you. Amazing. So here's the word of the Lord to you, to me, to us all. Here it is. Two words. Behave yourself. Behave yourself. Because God cannot bless ungodly behavior. Amen. He does not bless ungodly behavior. And God may well, in time, take sides. At the end of the age. But he's not taking sides now. Second Peter, or 1 Peter 2. 23, speaking of Jesus, and speaking here of the, the crucifixion really, but maybe on other occasions, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, it's not that he didn't do anything. Watch this. It's not saying that he didn't do anything when he was threatened or when he suffered at the hands of men. And in this case, by the way, religious men who said they loved God. It's not that he didn't do anything. He did not retaliate. He made no threats. But... This is what he did do. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. In other words, Jesus understood that one day this will all be sorted out, but it's not going to be sorted out by me, and it's not going to be sorted out now. I would want to say that again. When we have conflict with people, Christian thing to do, the biblical thing to do, is to not retaliate, not to make any threats, but to entrust oneself to someone who's got all the information, knows the secrets of all our hearts, and one day, not now, but one day, we'll judge everything justly. There will come a day And in one part of the scripture, it's called the judgment seat of Christ. God will sort everything out. And the secrets of people's hearts will be made known. And every idle word spoken in secret will be known. It's a terrifying thought. And he will sort it out. But we have to let him sort it out. Do you know what? If you want to try and sort it out, you go ahead, but now he's not going to sort it out. So you've got to leave it with him. Otherwise, you just make things worse. Many of our conflicts, you see, they're with people. We're sad because of people. But what we do is we turn the other cheek. If they they take our... Our, our robe, we let them have our tunic as well. If they make us go one mile, we go two. That's what we are called to do. Now, if you don't like that, you're in the wrong church. Go to a, another church where they rip the sermon of the Mount out. Now, I know there are times that we have to stand our ground. I know that. I know there are times to stand for righteousness. I know there are times to have conflict with people. There are times when it is necessary the apostle Paul had conflict with people for the sake of righteousness for the sake of righteousness but not for the sake of his own pride and not for the sake of his own uh, desires but based upon the word of God when he suffered he didn't retaliate and he made no threats but he entrusted himself to God who knows everything He knows everything. And he will make the right judgment. I don't know about you. Listen, listen. I don't know about you. But I don't even know sometimes the motivation of my own heart. Let alone the motivation of yours. Amen. I don't even know the motivation of my own heart. So some things, we have to stand for righteousness. The Apostle Paul says in Thessalonians, he's writing to church leaders, he says, make sure you have order and don't let anyone wrong each other. And you know, there's a sense of, he's advocating a little bit of church police. So it's not that we don't do anything. There's lots in the scripture about how to deal with people. The word of God is there to... Encouragement is also there to rebuke and correct and train in righteousness. So all these things are important. But however, there are going to be many conflicts we have. And we just have to leave them with God. And put our faith in what he's going to do at the end of the age. And not pick up, not pick up weapons ourselves so we have to behave ourselves and we're prone to behave a little less than righteous when we suffer so we have to watch that, finally in dealing with sadness we have to learn contentment let's go over to Philippians 4 and verse 12 I'm going to conclude with this really Paul is writing here about in fact, the actual context of this is the fact that he didn 't have any money, <laughs> and um, he didn 't have enough money to buy food for himself on one occasion and uh, so much as i um, much as I have quite a time ahead of me in these next couple of weeks, I know the apostle Paul is envious of me because he did not have a bus. <laughs> But Philippians 4.12, the Apostle writes this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. There's nothing more amazing than a content person nothing more amazing where people have contentment this verse in 1st Timothy 6 says godliness with contentment is great gain one of the reasons we get sad one of them is because we are, we are there's no such word as uncontent is there discontent <laughs> we're discontent And we need to learn the secret. The Apostle Paul calls it a secret. It's a secret. It's not something you just do. You have to learn it. You have to learn the secret of being content. And there may well be certain people who just by nature of their personality, virtue of their characters, they are sort of laid-back people and other people are more intense. I understand that. But, but nevertheless, each, whatever character type you are, whatever personality type you are, you must learn the secret of being content. Because if you can learn to be content, you're going to be all right. You're going to know what it is to go through these valleys and these difficulties and say, I do not have this, but I do have this. While I wanted this and while I would not have chosen this to happen yet look at what I do have. If we can find that I tell you we'll be strengthened in every adversity. So I want to encourage you today God is a healer of those who struggle. Let's remind ourselves just of these verses. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus, talking about his mission when he came to save us, he said, He has sent me, the Father has sent me to bind up the broken Emotional conflict, emotional pain is not incidental to the Almighty. He is aware of it. He has promised to come close to those who are broken-hearted and He has promised to save those who are crushed in spirit. Let me remind you from last week, he is praying for you. So, in times of difficulty, there are a whole lot of things that God does. He grieves with us, prays for us, he's watching us, and he carries us. But we just need to play our part too. When facing tragedy, when facing grief, when facing great sadness, take some time out you don't have to exactly be yourself because the Bible characters weren't but make worship and trusting God an absolute priority in that time behave yourself and discover the secret of being content it will get you through the storm let's stand together